0: Welcome to Offbeat Tracks, Episode One Hundred One.
1: We're over the over the hill, over Over the the hump. hump. Yeah, I
0: guess if a hundred is a hump,
1: yeah, it's a it's a bit of a hump. (laughs) There's a (laughs) joke. I guess technically, can't
0: quite put my finger on it. Technically,
1: we're still a few weeks away from our two-year anniversary at Episode One Hundred Four, but that's coming. So that's what she said. We'll just settle for uh, Episode One Hundred One in the meantime. Uh, My name's Max, by the way. Hello.
0: Oh, I'm Danielle.
1: Um, Thank you for listening to our goofy little show. Uh, Who are we talking about today, Danielle?
0: We are talking about, kind of depends on how you want to define it. Um, You know, it's like a glass half full, glass half empty situation. Kind of depends on when, right? Yeah. The quick or giant steps. (laughs) I don't know. Whichever one you want to pick. I mean, I guess
1: technically both are correct. Yeah.
0: It's still the same people.
1: Uh, All right. Yeah. Yes, it is still the same people. And their names are <laughs> Colin Campsey, who went by Call. and
0: <laughs> Which I will not call him that.
1: Uh, no. <laughs> oh, I uh, look at that. that. You just did. <laughs> and uh, George McFarlane is the other fella. Uh, call was the vocalist and George was uh, bass and keyboards. I don't know who was doing the rest of the instruments. They don't specify that. It's um, the No, no the, one. The actual answer is that they had a, a series of other musicians who swooped in and out of these groups. But they were the only two permanent members of these musical acts that we're discussing today.
0: Not uncommon for this era.
1: These two fellas, though British, met in California in 1978 and uh, formed a group called Grand Hotel with a couple of other guys. They put out one record called Do Not Disturb and then completely faded into obscurity. But uh, also
0: not uncommon for that era.
1: Also not uncommon, yes. <laughs> very... um, and the very next year, they resurfaced as The Quick, and it was just the two of them. Yes. Uh-huh. And uh,
0: if you ever look up The Quick... Mind you, there is another band uh, from California that was like, harder rock like earlier in the 70s yes uh and th- and that was very confusing for me because i didn't know they existed so like when i first started looking things up i was like i could have sworn these dudes were british <laughs> how are they not british this is the most british thing ever how are they some mid-70s california rockers and then i realized that's not who this is right
1: yeah <laughs> so we're talking about yes british the quick who british the quick who became giant steps yes. yes uh their first single came out in 1979 um it is the most british thing you've ever heard in your entire life basically it is called sharks are cool jets are hot because of course it is. Uh, yeah, it's the just West
0: Side Story reference.
1: I got it. It's just really campy <laughs> and very British. You know, I love it. Um, I remember seeing a series of tweets. Not to bring everything back to Eurovision like we always do on this show, but ah! I. Rem- I remember seeing a series of tweets on Eurovision Day this year that was like a British guy lamenting what he thought was wrong about Britain's entries into Eurovision for the last 30 years. And it was like, Uh, whenever Eurovision comes around, we always try to find the coolest hip-shaking Hip swinging, and I was like, "Yeah, that's what this is. That's 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 the mentality that went into this song." I could
0: go into all of why Britain picks who they pick. That's a different episode. I could talk for twenty minutes on it. I'm not going to. But no, I love this song.
1: Yeah, my point is that this—it's not surprising to me that Britain ate this up.
0: Yeah, no, it's a uh, what I love about this song. It's like I think technically '79, mm-hmm. uh, and it's one of those perfect like toes the line of 1980 kind of songs. And yeah, because it it's the percussion is all disco. It is very disco, but that synth riff is all like what's coming in New Wave. So you can tell it's like towing that. Oh, I love it, it's fun. It's a fun little dance number.
1: They soon began work on their debut record, which um, has three different titles, depending on what country it was released in. Which also
0: I, not uncommon for that era. I think, every stereotype.
1: I think was a record, though. I, I don't think we've ever had a, <laughs> talked about an album that had three different titles. And so much that I didn't even write down the title that it was released under in Canada. I can't remember what it was called. Um, but in the US, it was on the uptake. And in the UK, it was Fascinating Rhythm. But it's the same album, 1981. Um and the lead single uh, was this really cool song called Hip Shake Jerk.
0: Is it gross? Is that a gross reference? No. She taught me it's a like hip a da- shake jerk. It's like a dance.
1: Mm. I just think everything
0: is probably gross. Yeah. but
1: You need to <laughs> drink a cold beverage and calm the F down.
0: No, I'm not upset about it. It's just if you say hip shake jerk in regular talk to me, you know what I think of. Anyway. Dancing I love song. like a
1: normal human? It's super... It's super
0: good. <laughs> I really like this song. It has nothing to do. I was just wondering if there was some weird reference I missed on it. Yeah,
1: it's like super, super, super new wave. I mean, yeah. like it's the most early 80s video you'll ever see yes, in your life. That is
0: actually the first note on
1: it. The grid pattern, but like they're on a grid pattern, a black grid pattern. So that is that is as 80s as it gets to me.
0: Yeah. And you've got George McFarlane like freaking out, pressing random buttons on oh, a synthesizer. It's like Yes, a, on a
1: bunch of synths that aren't plugged in.
0: It's like a, it's such a it's like a parody. I love anything that looks like it's a parody of an 80s video Because it's that 80s. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. I
1: will say though also, they were kinda cuties back in the day.
0: Oh, they were hot. Yeah. Yeah. If you
1: watch this video, like they were they were both Uh, kind of abolicious. Yeah. They were
0: super young too though. They were only like twenty-five there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean they were (laughs) dwarfs.
1: They got their big break pretty soon thereafter with the single Zulu. Um, that last one, Hipshake Jerk, had charted in Australia. I think it was like number 12 in Australia. But Zulu went to number one on the U.S. dance charts. Um, and it also charted on U.S. R&B, which is kind of funny. Hmm. Um, I don't know. Like, was the U.S. just like super into like African and jungle things at this time? I mean, you had well, Toto's Africa. You had Baltimore. You had Africa bambata if that counts. Um a couple of years later we would walk the dinosaur with was not was Am I being ridiculous here there was there was a like jungle slash africa fascination well, But it's
0: actually I actually have a thing to talk about this cuz oh. it drives me up the effing wall Please um It feels weird in 2018 because we don't do this anymore. But also it feels gross because, like, the British mainly were behind this stuff. Mm -hmm. And they're, like, super into the African thing. It'd be like, look at my cool African clothes. And I like talking about Africa and, you know, all the cool stuff. And it's, like, totally weird cultural appropriation to me. But, like, I don't get mad at it. But it's also worse, in my opinion, because it's, like, these are basically just British places that they have just, you know. It's imperialism and it's actually gross. And they're, like you know, we are going to cripple you economically and make you dependent on us for the rest of your lives. But we right. like your cool exactly. face paint.
1: Exactly. Exactly. We're going like, oh. exactly. oh, to we're gonna write songs about your culture and have hits off of it. Yeah,
0: I mean, and the British were very good about um, that. Like with, you know, <laughs> their uh, obsession with like reggae and ska that they just basically stole from Jamaica. Like it's, you know, yeah. it's, I mean, they love to do this. That's a very good way to frame it's, it. It's um, kind of cute and fun. And there are great songs that came out of it. But it's also gross when yeah. you really think about what yeah, they're Yeah, it's doing. a good way to
1: put it. It's a very, <laughs> it's, a, it's a good <laughs> breakdown of it, actually. Yeah,
0: it's, it, it really strikes me as weird now. Um, I mean, it's a fun song. I'm a dance to it. Yeah, it's a fun sure. song. But like, when you start thinking about it, it's just. Yeah, that's, I like, I like that context. It's like watching the NFL. Oh, yeah. Like, you can enjoy it. Back of your head, you know, like, like these oh, yeah. dudes are yeah. probably going to retire, yeah, and, and kill themselves.
1: Yep, and their brains don't work. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, it's, so anyway, it's like that for me. Here's That's a clip. great song. Here's a clip of the song.
0: Here we go again
1: yeah they just couldn't let the jungle thing go um people love this stuff. the rhythm of the jungle i mean in fairness this is the same album so these were cut at the same time i know we like to talk about the singles in the order they were released generally so it's kind of easy to be like oh well, here's mm-hmm. another song they did that was the same thing but you got to remember no, these were I... all the same album um interesting though it that... doesn't
0: sound like zulu though it sounds different
1: you think so because i i, I, I think... found them a little bit similar and, or more than a little similar, I should say, this was a number 14 hit U.S. dance. But this one also charted in Australia, the Netherlands, and the U.K. So, I don't really understand why this was a hit where Zulu wasn't.
0: I think this is a better pop song than Zulu. To me, that's Zulu fair. is kind of...
1: That's fair. That's fair.
0: Zulu Zulu is all bass. That's what carries that song. And it's like, it doesn't really go anywhere. And it's just a cool, smooth dance beat. And it's, you know, good for playing in a club for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um. This song is really pop to me. I, I could easily see that if I got enough airplay and the right time being a massive hit. I think it sounds like a a lot of hits of that time. It just didn't become that. I guess it did in a lot of places. This is more of a just general good pop appeal than Zulu was. So I get that, but also it's like, God, back with the jungle
1: and the <laughs> Africa. Like we get, yeah, we get it. We get it. We get it. We
0: love the savannas you stole. It's awesome.
1: Moving on to the sophomore album, International Thing, um, which is I'm an o- still on it. Yeah, <laughs> it's an OK record. Uh, we're just going to talk about the one uh, first single, which was called It's an International Thing. Um, that opening synth noise on this track, I'm so into that. That's one of my favorite eighties oh, noises.
0: It's really cool. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's it's very um like uh close encounter slash ET slash stranger things if we're gonna go a modern <laughs> route. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. I, yeah I'm I, I'm very into that.
0: Yeah, I this is a really fun song. Um now they've switched to talking about Asia and they mm, put yes. like, that like weird little Asian thing in the chorus, that little like riff that makes you be like, Oh, we're in China now. That's, right. Ugh. but you know, it's uh I guess they have a thing. They're super into not white culture.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. While
0: being the whitest dudes while alive. being the whitest dudes alive. <laughs> so, you know, what are you gonna do? I just got
1: Called to tell you that I love you Called at the wrong time And one more record released as The Quick. Um, it's called Wah Wah, which is honestly kind of a perfect name uh-huh. for it. <laughs> wah Wah. <laughs> um, it was produced by uh, the, uh, Phil Thornally, who was the bassist for The Cure. Mm. And uh, I think that's pretty evident in the production. Yeah. Um, I mean, Phil Thornally produced a lot of acts at this time, and they didn't all sound like The Cure. But they like I think his fingerprints are very clear. You can tell when he produced something. Um, Down the Wire is the single we're going to talk about from this record. I actually really like this song.
0: It's a good song. I mean, it doesn't really, to me, it comes off as forgettable, but it's not the most forgettable thing I've ever heard whenever I say something is forgettable. It's, uh, they got an unnecessary guitar there.
1: I think it's like a more produced up version of like Wang Chung or Level 42. Oh, yeah. Is that fair?
0: I think that, yeah, I could see that. I don't know. It's fine. Um, It's a little bit of a different sound it's less new wavy and more mm-hmm. I don't know what the name of that is they really wing Chung
1: Phil Thornalley's alley's <laughs> big thing too is that he beefs up the bass lines and he beefs up the vocals so this the the vocals all of a sudden are like really beefy on this record whereas they were not before like the rhythms were really important on yep. the on the previous but this is like very melodic and the vocals are just like really in your face. It's yeah. it's a it's a definite like that
0: is a good distinction because I just remember listening to the like the early stuff and being like I can barely hear these vocals right. this is weird production <laughs> but now they're in I'm your like, face why yes. are they even singing
1: <laughs> and it could be just because they were so muted on the previous records yeah. that it seems in contrast that they're in your face but it, the vocals feel yeah. really in your face when you, you can listen see to it. the switch. So it was around this time the lads moved to Los Angeles and they met Gardner Cole, who was also a very prolific um, producer at this time in the 1980s, the mid to late 1980s. So they decided to retool and reform under the name Giant Steps, and they would release one album as Giant Steps. Um, it was called The Book of Pride, and it came out in 1988 and produced by Gardner Cole and, and the lads. Um, <laughs> this barely charted in the US this album um, it, it peaked at number 184 on the Billboard 200 <laughs> probably
0: when the big single was released people were like Giant Steps the next big thing
1: that's right I don't let's be real I well don't for think, like a week maybe I don't think anybody thought that
0: <laughs> I have bought albums from like One Hit Wonders which I was like I need that album and then like you never
1: oh yeah that's that's what we do on this show that's, that's how those I'm albums just saying, hit the charts I don't think anyone in <laughs> earnest had the thought Giant Steps are the next big thing
0: some dumbass did. You know they did.
1: Um, so the big hit for them was The World Don't Need Another Lover, sometimes just called Another Lover. Mm-hmm. This was a number 13 hit in the U.S., um, number 25 on the adult contemporary chart, which should not surprise anyone. <laughs> and it also charted on the dance chart because this was the late 80s. It was a weird time and you could hit all three of those charts with it's one not, single. It's not a
0: bad dance song. No, it's, it's not. not. I mean, it's but not. But it's just
1: it's funny that we were in this cultural moment that existed uh, between uh, like 1988 and like 1992, where you could put out an adult contemporary song and also have a dance club hit with it.
0: Yeah, well... Uh, Looking
1: at you, Amy Grant. <laughs> I was about to say. Just saying.
0: Yeah, no, like this song to me is, I think a very funny, weird kind of one-hit wonder. They weren't like, well, they technically were a one-hit wonder, I think here in the US anyway. No,
1: because of Zo Well, I guess, yeah, if we're counting well, The Quick the and 100. Giant Steps as two different groups, then The Quick was a one-hit wonder. And uh, Giant Steps was a one-hit wonder because yeah, so, Zulu was a huge dance hit. But so. I think
0: it's funny because it's to me this song is like a song that I've heard a ton, but you always forget about it. It's not played a lot when you think, and it's not mentioned with one-hit wonders. So it's like you can go forever not hearing it, and then you're like, oh yeah, like that's that's why I sent you this the other day, like you know, a couple weeks ago when it came on. I was like, oh yeah, these guys. Yeah, exactly. So you just forget about it, even though it was a huge hit and you hear it a lot. It's so forgettable is a one hit wonder and I'm not sure why it's a good song but and it's, it's it's so catchy.
1: perfectly 1988 uh, maybe that's what British it is stuff. and there
0: were so many of those maybe that's why it gets lost in it because yeah
1: I mean this has all that British cheese you expect from their pop music of this era just that you know the Lame backing vocals, like a, a chorus that doesn't quite go hard enough. Like, it's all there yeah. in this perfect little 1988 pop package. And
0: the best part about this that I didn't notice really until uh, we were show prepping is that, like, I kept reading all the stuff about how they kept getting confused with, like, Go West because they were, like, best friends mm-hmm. with Go West. And I was like, I mean, I guess they're kind of similar, but that's kind of racist that all the British people go together like that. <laughs> but Shut whatever. Up. No. <laughs> and then, like, I watched this video... She's kidding. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, I was just, yeah, no, I was just like, I don't think they're that similar. And then I watched this video, which I had never noticed before. And it is literally Go West's uh, King of Wishful Thinking. Yeah. Which is on everyone's brains that like Jimmy Fallon, Paul Rudd redo of it. Well, that was And so, like, also, that was a like big that. thing
1: in the late 80s, too, to just your music video to just be you and your band in a white room with unplugged instruments. With
0: bad vests. Yes. Like, it looks.
1: Looking at so. you, Stacey Q, Two of Hearts.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's just so. Uh, Yeah, it is very go west. I totally see how people completely see it now. I'm like, well, hell.
1: The title track was also a single, "The Book of Pride." Um, this was new to me; I, I had not heard this Giant Steps song either. before we put this show together. Uh, yeah, but they—they they actually like tossed out a kind of a New Jack swingy sort of single. Um, worth noting, also, the 12-inch remixes of this are pretty straight up like house music. So,
0: oh, I bet, yeah.
1: Um, but oddly, I don't think this charted in the club. I'm gonna—I'm gonna check, but I don't think it did, which is kind of unusual that another lover did and this one didn't. If that's the case,
0: I don't. I. This song, to me, is so forgettable, though, contemporary, but has enough of a groove to where it's not, like, totally boring. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it, to me, it's so forgettable, and I cannot even notice that I'm listening to it, but I was, like, walking around doing house chores to this, and I had a little... Uh, brit smooth groove going you know it's just so forgettable and
1: it is and i just checked it did not chart on the dance club uh-huh. charts in the u.s which is interesting that the other two which are arguably less of dance single less of a dance single i guess than this one um did so interesting. it's
0: danceable but also another lover if it's on the radio a ton people are gonna like to hear it in the club if it's got that so that might be the only thing that spurred that one
1: must be one last one here into you. Uh, this was the final giant steps single ever released. Um, and <laughs> my only, the only thing I can think about every time I hear this song, the first time I heard of giant steps, like, you know, a decade plus ago, whatever, when mm-hmm. I started getting into this kind of music, um, I looked up this music video and I'll always remember there's this moment cause it's like a guy and he's like running with his like lady on the beach and whatnot. I guess, I guess that's Colin in the video. And, um, There's they cut to this shot where this woman is standing next to a pool and the guy like, I guess the instruction was probably playfully shove her into the pool. But he shoves her with like the force of 10,000 Hadoukans, like so much that like her hat goes flying off and you just see it for like a second. But I always think about that when I hear this song. (laughs) I'm like, I bet she whooped his natural ass after this, (laughs) after that take. Like, he just is like, yeah, like, like so hard that literally she like flies out and her hat stays where it is for a second before falling. Like, it's that that that. bad. I'm going
0: to have to watch it. It
1: was bad enough that like when I, I, like, it stuck with me that long after seeing it one time. (laughs) Such that when we went to put the show together, I was like, oh man, that pool shove. I got to talk about that pool shove.
0: Anything that 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 is that formative in your life, uh, you should talk about. Um, uh, yeah, I had to listen to this six times to even hear it.
1: Oh, yeah. It's like, I so, think it, it's a fine song.
0: It's no, it's fine. There's nothing offensive about it. It's cool. You can it's good in your background, whatever you're doing. Right. But it is so just <laughs> there. It is just music.
1: This did chart uh, number 33 on the uh, dance club chart. It must have been
0: a sweet remix.
1: (laughs) And it was number 58 on the Hot 100. It did also chart on the Hot 100. Slow week. So that's Giant Steps and that is also The Quick. Yes. Um they they apparently did record a few more songs after that in 1989 for a second album that never happened. Yeah. Um so I guess those songs are just like lost to the annals of time.
0: Um did you see what Colin Kempsey has been up to?
1: Oh, yeah. he's um He's been quite prolific as a songwriter and producer and whatnot. There's
0: a really funny story involved in it. Please. Uh, you know, I love my British reality show, Ridiculousness That Makes No Sense. Yes, you do. Colin Kempsey has a little to do with it. Um, So Colin Kempsey has written songs for a bunch of, like, British stars that you'll never know here. But Colin Kempsey... <laughs> Wrote a song for a fake group slash lady called Candy Floss.
1: Candy Floss.
0: And I had like always heard that name and I didn't know what it was. And then I finally started watching it. Apparently Celebrity Big Brother in like 2006. Huge in Britain. Stupid. But uh, they decided to put in a fake celebrity to tease everyone and so they got this blonde chick who was stupid and weird she's like i'm a pop singer i'm candy floss i you not (laughs) know my songs and it's like so her job was to get everyone to believe that she was a celebrity or else she'd be evicted and then she ended up staying the whole time getting everyone to believe her in winning it was crazy but anyway she had like had this fake song and everything and colin campsey wrote her Big fake song. What a great claim I to fame. It, yeah, I want it right now, which was technically written for Kylie, Kylie Minogue. And when you listen to it, it's like, that does sound like a candy yeah. thing, a Kylie Minogue song. <laughs> but it's like really funny and really cute. And she totally became a star just uh, being a fake pop star on a TV show. And it was a Colin Campsey song. And it's. So ridiculous, and I love it.
1: That's right. If it worked for MTV's <laughs> Together, it can work for her, too. Okay,
0: Together is a
1: cultural <laughs> oh I've hit a nerve.
0: Moment. I love Together. Um, you can watch that on YouTube, by the way. I suggest it if you haven't.
1: Also, Colin Campsie was married for a long time, I just wanted to mention, to a lady named Beverly Craven, who I'd never <laughs> heard of, but apparently was also a pop star in her own right, yeah. and a big singer-songwriter. Um, they were married for a long time and they apparently had a messy divorce. Anyway, not the oh. point, we don't linger on marriages here, but yeah, there was some...
0: They met at backstage at a Tears for Fears concert, if you want to have a Brit, uh, wow. mind explosion.
1: Oh, that's, that's, explosion. that's super British. That's super, <laughs> I'm, super, super I'm a, British.
0: I'm a... That's Brit- more
1: British than the naked eyes guys meeting <laughs> on that bridge while the one was breaking up with his girlfriend. <laughs>
0: um, I met my wife backstage at a Tears for Fears concert.
1: That's a good story. <laughs> <laughs> It's a but, shame that uh, they didn't work out, because that's a, you know, they always say, if you have a good meeting, story. We
0: always have tears for fears.
1: Yes. Perhaps if, perhaps if it had been a Wang Chung concert, they would they would still be together.
0: <laughs> oh, that's
1: beautiful. Anyway, that's Giant Steps slash The Quick. hmm If you would like to connect with us, you can do so on our wonderful website, which is offbeattrackscast.com. We're
0: also on Twitter, at
1: Offbeat tracks. Yes. So please, email us, tweet us. Um, Thank you for some kind messages we've gotten recently. Mm -hmm. Um, We we really, really appreciate you listening to us and dropping us lines and telling us that you like us and uh, and or what you want to hear on the show. Because we do take your ideas and we make shows out of them. So hit us up.
0: We're running out of people. Give us more.
1: (laughs) We're really not. We have a massive backlog of (laughs) artists to cover. Don't worry. So, yeah, we'll be back next week with uh, another lovely artist to discuss. Another Brit, in fact.
0: Yes, because we definitely know who we're talking about next week. Not always true, but we do this time. (laughs) Yes, we do this
1: time. (laughs) All right, we'll see you next week.